again on Monday night. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Inside Moods Podcast. This episode 170 of the pod. It doesn't need a number because it's the preview pod. NFL football is upon us kicking off here on Thursday and uh this is one of our favorite ones that we do all year, Matt. We're going to break things down from the Bears and beyond, give you divisional picks, and we are going to start locks of the week. Once again, uh, we will figure out the terms of whatever our uh, wager will be well, it's later golf on. Balls, right? Customized yeah, golf balls? I think that that's really, that's really just what we go with here. Yeah. Um, but uh, more importantly, Matt, before we dive into everything, how are you? Uh, I'm doing lovely. I'm, I'm, I'm glad that we have football to talk about, Joe, because I think two or three months ago, we weren't totally sure we were going to have football to talk about. And here we are a day away from a day away from kickoff of, of another NFL season. And I could not be more excited. I just did not see it. Yes. Everything's up in the air. And Fair enough. You didn't know a lot of, un- you thought you were going to have football. You didn't know when you didn't know where you didn't know how there was a lot of uncertainty with how it's going to happen. What I we're do having know it on time, which is lovely through all of that unknown. What I do know is that Roger Goodell, Jerry Jones and the national football league will not leave money on the table and there's That's money true. to be made and there's football to be played. And that makes us happy. People. And that rhymed. Uh, it, it did. It did. I, I tend to slip yeah. those things in there, but, uh, but we got to jump right in that here. We're going to break things down bears wise first, and then we will broaden from there. This is the first time we are talking since the bears have named Mitch Trubisky, their starter. Uh, how you doing? You over know there? how Status I feel check. about this. I'm have, you, have, you, have you had a day to take a deep breath and, I've had plenty of time to okay. take a deep breath, and it wasn't even that jarring when the news came down because it kind of felt like they were shuffling their feet to get this direction, to get to this place. Because whether it was both quarterbacks were great in camp, or Mitch was great and Foles was good, or neither was all that good, which I think is kind of the case here. From Mitch what? Trubisky is the starting quarterback of the Chicago Bears, and there's nothing I can do about it. And like I said, this is going to be a split squad situation. We are going to see both guys. The thing that I don't want to happen is it being a week-by-week narrative that the writers can just latch on to and really distract from what this team needs to do as an offense, regardless of who the quarterback is. So I think that that's the biggest deterrent or the thing that I'm most worried about isn't either of these quarterbacks because we kind of know who they are. They're middle-of-the-road average Mm -hmm. quarterbacks. My worry is how this team deals with the conversation that surrounds the decision each and every week between these two guys. Yeah, and like like you said, I we implied it. The worst thing that could probably happen for this quarterback battle is for Mitch to go out and lay, lay an egg in week one. Luckily, it's against an opponent that historically he's played pretty well against Detroit. And kind of the first three weeks of the season, you have Detroit, you have the Giants, you have Atlanta. Who Atlanta's good, but their defense has always been kind of suspect. I don't want to say you have a schedule that you can kind of ease yourself into because it's the NFL and there are no easy games, but it's not like you're going up against three top defenses. It's three teams that Mitch you would think should at least be able yeah, to go out and get, you know, get comfortable a little bit. And if you look if you look bad against these three teams, these three defenses, then Well then the decision's been made. Nick, that's Nick Foles is starting the last thirteen games. They're they're giving him they're giving him probably the softest three games of the schedule if you look at it, to figure it out and say, hey, you got anything left? Put it on film for us. Put it on film for another team. We, we need to figure out who you are. 
Yeah, and you know what? It, no matter how you feel about the quarterback battle, no matter how you feel about who you wanted to win, all that, once we kick off Sunday, we're all Mitch we, fans. We, get, we all we hope he does well. Guy. We all hope he, we, he goes out and wins a couple football games. I, I hope he's been playing better in camp, like team, like the, they, they've kind of been saying he has been. I'm not, to, I won't, you know, believe it till I see it. But mm-hmm. once once we kick off on Sunday at noon, I don't have a Mitch jersey. I'm not going to buy one, but I'm going to be wearing a hypothetical Mitch jersey because I'm rooting for the guy. Oh, you, you you have to. You have to support the guy that's under center, whether you like it or not, uh, whether you feel it's the right decision or the wrong one. He's the Bears quarterback right now. And uh, like you said, that might last two weeks. That might last 10 weeks. That might last two drives um, if he if he does some Mitch things early on against the Lions. But he has the support of, of us and hopefully of the fan base. But my question here is, Matt, what if it works? What if he does start 12 games and, I mean, gets dinged around or for, for one reason or another, mm-hmm. doesn't play a full season? But what if he puts good film on tape and you've now declined his option and you have $21 million guaranteed over the next three years to your backup, essentially? What do you do with Mitch Trubisky if you're the Bears front office? Because if you sign him to some sort of, I mean, lucrative short-term deal, I think is what the – uh, what would happen here? I don't think there's a market, regardless of what he do, does, short of winning a Super Bowl this year, for Mitch to get a five-year, long-term, big-money contract here. But if you sign him to a lucrative two-year deal with an option, like then you've committed so much money to the quarterback position, you end up not being able to sign other players. Allen Robinson then walks because you have two mm-hmm. uh, big-ticket quarterbacks, uh, neither of which, like I said, are all that impressive. So what do, what do you do? What happens if you're um, if you're you know making the decisions here if you're the head of the front office and Mitch Trubisky does play well even if he go I mean he's his salary is setting 10 million this year right mm-hmm. I think that's the, the rookie first round pick salary went from from his class if he goes out it, unless he has like an MVP type season I, I don't see him getting paid massive massive QB money I mean the franchise tag I think is around somewhere around 25 I don't think he'd get that over a one year or over a one year deal so I, I do think you can get Mitch on if he goes out and has you know a year like 2018 where they were you know 12 and four he was fine that you know, not great didn't blow you away but it was fine I, I think you get him on a one or two year deal that's maybe paying him a little bit more of an upgrade than what he's getting now something along you know two years 26 yeah but I don't um, I don't think there's much short of like going out winning a Super Bowl and an MVP that would get him a massive contract that you'd be like oh man how are we gonna afford other other guys. The the issue here is now if he does have a solid season and, and mm. he's back to the 2018 Mitch that we kind of fell in love with there for I really if did but a, if but for a moment um, the thing that, that interests me here is quarterbacks and now we're seeing at other positions is their value is their perception of themselves and mm-hmm. not necessarily the market's perception of them you set your value through your play first and foremost but mm-hmm. two through the negotiation and what you expect. DeAndre Hopkins watched all these other wide receivers who are less than him get paid and then goes out there and becomes the highest paid player non-quarterback in NFL history. Mm -hmm. Um, But I think the more Mitch scenario here is what we saw with Keenan Allen. I mean, he jumps up to the second highest paid wide receiver in the game for some time there, garnering $20 million a year. Um, second highest paid, but is he the second best receiver in the league? No, no disrespect to Keenan Allen. No, he's not the same. I, I, I think he's a top 15 wide receiver in the league, but his his perception of himself and the market's perception of him dictated where that money would go. Mm-hmm. And it went to a wide receiver, and it's going to hamper the Chargers. And, and I say all these things because 
I think you might, if Mitch has a good season, have to overpay a little bit for him because of his perception of himself and the kind of short-term reaction to what hopefully will be a successful season. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, in terms of the Allen Robinson, um, you know, contract situation there, I'm, I am worried about what they're going to have to pay him. But if you think about it, like their cap now is what it is with him getting 15 a year. And you just said it, DeAndre Hopkins just got 20. And I love Allen Robinson. I think he's a top no, DeAndre just got in the NFL. 20, DeAndre just got 27.5. Uh, okay, Keenan Allen just got 20. Okay, sorry, 20. So Keenan... Allen Robinson's probably in that Keenan Allen type range. So even mm-hmm. if you are, if you're including that uh, extension in there, you're not adding you know twenty million to that cap. It you're adding five to what you're, mm-hmm. uh, which is quite honestly the loss of Cordero Patterson in the offseason, which yeah. is probably going to happen unless he has a breakout year at running back, Joe, which he's <laughs> he's lining up at this year. Um, uh, for some we reason, will, we will dig into that we'll running back room a little bit deeper here, but. Uh, yeah, you know, I hope it's a problem that we have. I hope it's a decision. It'd that, be a good problem to have. I hope maybe. I hope that Ryan Pace ends up with the least amount of egg on his face. There's going to be egg on his face. There already is in the way that he's managed this quarterback situation. But hopefully, one of these two guys can produce for him, and then you cross that bridge mm-hmm. when you get there. Um, Matt, before we get into record predictions here, uh, NFC North predictions, X factors, which we're going to do all of that. I, I want your biggest non quarterback related question with the Chicago bears. Oh, it's easy. Uh, the running back room. We just, we just brought it That's, up. I don't, yeah, you, I, you took the words out of my mouth. I like this. David Montgomery a lot, but obviously he's got, he's got, I, I like what I saw from him when they actually gave him a chance to run the ball last year. There were a couple yeah. of games like the, the Chargers the game. The one did him no favors. Exactly. The, the Chargers game where they actually decided they were going to line up, like, line up and actually run the football. I think he ran for like 120 yards. I like him. I, I, I don't know if he's you know a true one number one running back on his own, which is, which is fine in today's NFL. Um, that said, he's dealing with, what, a hamstring injury. Tariq Cohen, as much as we've hamstring seen, he can groin, be – I believe. He can be exciting at times. I mean, he's not your true between-the-tackles running back. Um, after that, on the depth chart, I mean, technically, Cordell Patterson's going to be lining up and running back, but he's yeah. going to be used as somewhat of, like, a, a Swiss Army knife. You're going to kind of see him, I think, bounce around the, the formations entirely. Um, Ryan Nall is there. I don't understand with a guy like Devontae Freeman on the on just sitting at home right now. I think he visited the Jaguars, maybe. I don't understand how he isn't on this team for you know a very low salary and a one-year deal. I think he'd be a perfect fit. He can run the ball. He can catch it out of the backfield. He gives you depth. This running back room has no depth, and it quite honestly, that, that stakes more fear in me that the Bears are really not committed to running the football. I know they yeah. don't like to run the football, but I think we saw last year you at least have to have some resemblance of a running game, and this to me shows that Matt Nagy still doesn't believe that you have to have that. No, I, I think you could look at that one of two ways, and that that is problematic, and that is worrisome that they haven't really, you know, committed the, um, you know, committed the roster spots, the depth to the running back position because it's a place where you need it. Mm-hmm. Perhaps the thought process is we can go get running backs. There are running backs sitting That's at true. home. There are running like there's the story at the end of the year of, of the guy who comes in and whether the last few years it's been the um, you know the Marshawn Lynches or I just the don't Robert know why they haven't done that yet. Or that I agree with you, and I think depth at that position is paramount, regardless of the type of scheme you're running. You could also look at it from the angle of they are committing to David Montgomery that the run game is going to be his baby. And that's what it's got to be when you spend Mm -hmm. a pick as high as you did on him two years ago and you don't really 
um, you don't highlight him or feature him in the offense in his rookie season. Now, I know he is coming, as you said, into the season a little bit dinged up, and hopefully that does not linger, but mm-hmm. the depth is going to be tested right off the bat here with the Bears running back. Yeah, and, that, and I have no problem if that is there, if, if they wanted to be like, you know, David Montgomery's our guy. He's number he's our number one running back. There's no Mike Davis here to mm-hmm. not even, I mean, he didn't really do anything last year, but at the beginning of the season, he was obviously on the roster and thought of be a, a decent-sized part of that running game, but like you said, he, he's coming off. I, was it? It was a. I don't remember if it was a groin or hamstring injury, but either way, it's I a soft. Groin. It's a soft tissue injury that is something that can be nagging for any running back or receiver or anything. And running backs are going to get dinged up. And I like David Montgomery, but you just you need someone other than Tariq Cohen and Ryan Nall behind him. I would. I just. I hope they have a plan. That's all. Um, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly here, Matt. Uh, that is my biggest question. My other question would be cornerback play opposite of Kyle Fuller and and, you know I've always had Kyle Fuller as a question mark but he kind of proved us wrong there back in 2018 took a little bit of a step back last year but you know he's he's a constant out there uh at the corner now opposite of him you're gonna get the kid the rookie uh, yeah they're throwing him in the fire he's gonna be hopefully uh, that uh that is a that is a uh, baptism by fire and not mm-hmm. a trial by fire. And hopefully he can, you know, come out of that, uh, the answer at, at, on the other side here, because in the West coast era, in the past happy offense era. Now, you know, I'm going to make the point later on in the podcast here that I think we do see a true regression, not regression, but a true uh, pivot back to the run game. And I think we've seen it little by little over the last couple seasons here. Um, but I digress. Uh, in the pass game, you're going to target the weak point, and the weak point on the Bears' defense right now is that opposite corner, that left side corner. Um, and, and I'm and I'm hoping that there's an answer there as well. Yeah, it, we're going to see. Like you said, we're going to see right away what Jalen Johnson has. He was a second round pick that was, I think, had some higher, closer to first round grades from some places. So they need him to go out and play like that. He's got a good defense behind him. Uh, but you're right, he's going to be tested, especially because you look at this Bears defense across the board, and there are so many strong pieces that teams are going to try and attack him, especially early on, so he's going to have to prove himself early. Um, and that's another position in the room that when Artie Burns went on IR, who's by all means having a pretty good camp, it sounded like, you lost a whole lot of depth there, and I, I don't know yeah. who's necessarily out there to go get or bring in off the street, but that's another position they should be at least looking at and, and, and to figuring out some options to bring in behind those number one and number two guys because one more injury and you're real thin there. Uh, but if, you know, to go positive here, if I do remember, remember correctly, this is that pick that every pundit, every talking head, um, every draft analyst and scout was high on mm-hmm. Johnson saying that the Bears got huge value in this spot. So let's see if that value proves true here as the Bears uh, get it going against the Lions on Sunday. And that just feels good to say. It does. Uh, most of all, Matt. Let's uh, let's dive in here to one thing we did last year I think that uh, you enjoyed, that hopefully the listeners enjoyed, was X Factor on both sides of the ball. Um, and I think last year, if I'm not mistaken, you went Roy Roberts. I went Roy Roberts and Harris on defense, and he had a great start to the year, and then kind of like the whole team uh, kind of. I forget who I went. I forget who I went defensively. Uh, I believe last year I did say David Montgomery offensively, and that is still a question mark. Um, yeah, I said Anthony Miller, who didn't really but, figure it out until uh, the end of the year. Let's. Uh, I don't think that's to his own uh, no, issue, but. No. Um, but, you know, we're not going to harp on last year. We're, we're moving no, forward we're, here, Matt. It's, it's, Let's 20, talk, it's 2020. 
Let's talk X-Factors offensively uh, for the Chicago Bears. I'm going to go first because I feel like you're going to steal my answer again. Sure. And I, it's going to be Cole Komet for me. I think that this Bears offense, um, if, it, if, if it is going to look like anything that Matt Nagy wants it to look like, you know, the, uh, the, the distilled form of it being, let's say, the run game of the 49ers and the pass game of the Chiefs, some sort of hybrid between the two. And I know that's high praise, but I think that's, that's kind of how Matt Nagy sees this thing in his mind's eye. Uh, if it's going to have success, that's predicated by tight end play in both the run and the pass game. And that's a place where the Bears were wildly deficient over the last couple seasons here. And, you know, you go out, you spend the top pick on Cole Komet, um, it's got all the makings of the hometown kid flame mm-hmm. out, but but I, I I'm not here for a flame out. I'm here from the for the hometown. Well, you mentioned hero. it. You brought it up. I know, but when was the last time like a Chicago kid came and played for the Bears and it worked out? You're like I, I don't I don't have I don't have any precedent in my yeah, mind that, com- that readily comes back. So hopefully this is that moment, and hopefully Cole Komet can be that X factor on the offense that maybe unlocks something for Matt Nagy or unlocks something for whoever the quarterback is under center and makes this thing run from an offensive standpoint. You're right. You did steal my answer. I was in between going with Cole Komet or Jimmy Graham because of how we talked about, you know, how important the tight end is in this offense. But I, Mm -hmm. in the interest of not being boring and taking the same position, I'll go with a different (laughs) one. I'll I'll take a name, but it's really more of a position and the two names that are going to get most of the reps at it. Um, that slot position where I think Ted Ginn Jr. is right now the number one uh, number one on the depth chart, but they also have that fourth-round pick out of, I think, Tulane it was, Darnell Mooney, that I, that they like. Um, mm-hmm. This offense the last couple of years was always – it had a different it, – it, it was always – it was clicking much more when you had Taylor Gabriel in the lineup, had the ability to take the top over the defense, and always had that deep threat when he wasn't there, when he was hurt because he had concussion issues over the last couple of years, it took away that threat and made yeah. defenses play you a little bit differently than when you didn't have that threat of going over the top. Ted Ginn Jr. and Darnell Mooney give them that chance again. So if you have guys like that who are healthy, who can stay healthy, who can run, who can beat corners, safeties, linebackers from the slot and, and have that over-the-top threat that opens things up underneath for the tight end, for the running back, for guys like Allen Robinson and Anthony Miller. So I guess if I have to pick a name, I'll say Ted Ginn Jr. because he's done it before. He's, he's number one on the depth chart right now. I know he's older, but he's still really fast. Um, I, I like that position, that guy to be an, an X factor for unlocking what this offense can really do, kind of like what you said the tight end can bring. And that is the same Ted Ginn Jr. that returned the opening kickoff of the 2007 BCS championship game. Just, just to put it all into context here, uh, you mentioned you mentioned the age, but you also mentioned the the hopefully the um, ability to still do it out there. And I agree with he you. He can still move. That um, that slot position again. If you want to look at this through the lens of the uh, of the top tier production offenses that look similar to this, that slot position is huge. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw what the Niners did last year in the run and the pass game with Debo Samuel. Uh, with Chiefs are doing with Tyreek Hill. When they lined them up inside. Chiefs did it with Tyreek Killer, or Miko Hardman mm-hmm. inside. Um, it's not just a dig out a linebacker. It's not just a run a drag route. Like Offenses, again, really get unlocked from the inside out now, whether that be run game out to pass or slot receivers out to the outside. It's no longer your traditional route tree of, mm-hmm. hey, run me a post route Julio Jones that, that I mean that's like one of the few guys that 
you can start outside and finish outside is because you have such a talent in Julio Jones or you have such a talent in DeAndre Hopkins to just run a go route and, and say, you know, get deeper than the deepest. We're going to throw the ball to you. Like there's, there's not many offenses or offensive weapons that allow you to do that. The Bears don't have any of them. They don't have a quarterback that can do that either. You have to work this systematically from the inside out. Mm-hmm. Should we go to um, defense? Let's go to defense. Yeah, I'm going to let you go first. Yeah, here. well, I get to start because you start for the, the interest last. of me not stealing your. I'm advantage. looking at the depth chart. I don't really know where you're going to go with this. Um, I don't mm-hmm. think you're going to take a couple my pick places. Because I think it's a little bit too gritty for you. Okay. Um, I want to take Bilal Nichols at the nose no, tackle position. You, you took mine. Oh, really? I'm sorry. I swear to God. I figured nose swear. tackle would be much too gritty for you. I, no, um, I was between Bilal Nichols and Jalen Johnson. Well, I want to you hear your reason. I want to hear your reasoning for Bilal Nichols. Perhaps I have a different reasoning. Okay. Uh, well, he's been. He he had the hand, broken hand, I think it was, last year. But when he's been in the lineup, he's been healthy. That said, it hasn't really been at this nose tackle position much. That's been Eddie Goldman's spot for, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, the 14 of the 16 games a year that he plays. Obviously, he's missed a couple here and there, but he's been a pretty steady presence. It's a position change. And while he's been very good on different parts of the defensive line, it, I'm interested to see whether or not he can hold down that middle because – we talk about how good this Bears defense is at stopping the run, and in a 3-4, you're just about as good at stopping the run as good as your nose tackle is at clogging the middle. Um, yep. If you can take up two guys, that frees up your linebackers. If you can't, it doesn't free up your linebackers and makes their job a little bit harder. So I think everything kind of stems out, at least in stopping the run, from what your nose tackle can do. So if I, I'm, I'm interested to see what he can do there in a bit of a position change. I think he's very talented. He's a a Ryan Pace late round draft pick that you know we've talked about Pace being able to have success in the late rounds. He's one of the examples, but it's position change, um, not a huge one, but but definitely an adjustment. And I'm interested to see how he can do that because if he can kind of have that seamless transition, I think this defense is right where it was last, right where it was before Akeem Hicks got hurt last year and then the year before that. The great Don Heldman taught us all many things, but uh, one thing that sticks out in my mind in the 3-4 defense, you feel the double team. You get down, you create a pile. Mm-hmm. That's what you do. Um, Did he say uh, that while sitting underneath the goalpost in his lawn chair? It, it, yes, and it was a little bit It was a little bit more of him down here. Yeah. Um, but uh, nonetheless, I, I think that Bilal Nichols can be uh, that, you know, just that, that line setter. Um, we know what we're going to have off the edges. Mm-hmm. And... And opposing offenses know what we're going to have off the edges. So the Bears are going to be attacked on the inside, on the interior, on the midline, through ISO, um, through other things that are just going to get to the middle of this defense. Because when you know when it's third and manageable and you've got Khalil Mack, Robert Quinn, Akeem Hicks, Roquan Smith through some blitz packages, pinning their ears back and coming after you um, – you're going to go quick. You're going to go up the middle. You're going to keep things simple. And that's how offenses are going to attack this Bears team if they are productive off the edges. So Bilal Nichols needs to come up. He needs to stand up and he needs to set that line and be that linchpin in the middle to make the linebackers' lives that much more manageable. Mm-hmm. And uh, whether or not that happens, we shall see. But I think that a lot of the success this year is going to be predicated on what he can do. Um, and not to dis my two other were Jalen Johnson, who we've talked about, you yeah. know, and, and Akeem Hicks. We, we know what Akeem Hicks can do, but we saw what this Bears defense becomes in his absence. So I think that's another big X factor is his health coming into the season. Pardon me. 
And, I, and we've talked about it a bunch here, especially when they signed him. But Robert Quinn's another one of those guys. I, it's hard for me to call him an X factor because there are high expectations mm-hmm. on him. But if we're getting the Robert Quinn of last year, the one that had 11 sacks in a Cowboys uniform and looked really good doing it, like that, that's that makes this defense arguably the best pass rush in, in the NFL. I would. I mean, I know Minnesota's really up there now that they got uh, Yannick Ngakwe. But if if Robert Quinn's the the double digit sack guy he was last year and teams can't really afford to double-team, triple-team Khalil Mack every down, that makes two guys on this on this pass rush that much better. Uh, Matt, we got to get to some predictions here before we move on to the rest of the NFL. Let's talk record here for the Bears. What do you see in 2020? Uh, I want to, like, the meatball in me wants to just say, you know, we're going 12-4, and four, all that kind of stuff. I don't necessarily think that's going to happen. That said, I, I think it is a good team. I think it is a good defense. They're going to have their games where the offense is, is not necessarily all there. But as long as they stay healthy, I don't see why this isn't a 10-win football team. So I'm going to take the Bears at 10-6. and six. Okay. I like it. I like the optimism. You know, that's what I'm hoping for. But um, I never – in counting wins and losses, and I went through it and, and kind of – fleshed out what I think is possible in any of these matchups and we don't know yet because we Mm -hmm. don't know who these teams are going to be but in looking at it and kind of going over the numbers once twice three four five times I just kept getting to eight and eight nine and seven and I couldn't get away from that I couldn't find a tenth win for the Bears no matter how many times I went through this schedule um I want to be optimistic and say nine and seven but I'm going to be realistic and say eight and eight I don't think that they win the division. I think that the Minnesota Vikings win the division. I do think the Bears get in, hopefully, with a wild card here at 8-8. Eight and eight. Um, But I think that this is an 8-8 eight and eight football team because because of what I saw last season. And not from an execution standpoint, but from like a, a focus, a tempo, a leadership standpoint. I don't know what's changed with the Chicago Bears. And if guys are still looking to their quarterback for answers and to, to kind of set the tempo they're going to be looking at the wrong place because it's going to be two different guys and it's going to be different this season. And I think there's going to be a lot of high moments. There's going to be low moments. There's going to be games that we win that we shouldn't have. There's going to be games that we lose that we should have won. And that just leads me to believe that this Bears team, like many Bears teams in the past, are is an 8-8 eight eight football team. I th- If that's where you're at, that's fine. I'm not saying I can't see that happening. I just I keep coming back to – and. You and I have both talked about, well, we're a little bit different on the record. I don't see the people – I don't understand the people that think the Bears are going to totally flame out this year. I'm not sure that defense, unless they're just decimated with injury, I think that defense is too good to let a total flame out happen. But like, yeah, I, I, I wouldn't consider 8-8 eight eight a total flame no, out. No, definitely. Honest. No, but you got people out there saying the Bears are going to finish last in the NFC North, that they're going to be 5-11. I just yeah. – I don't – I look at this schedule, I don't really see that. Um, I think the two things that kind of have me somewhat optimistic about the Bears, I I know Minnesota's good. Minnesota is the best team in this division. Matt Nagy, I believe, is 4-0 and against the Vikings, and it, the Bears have played that team really well. And when you see Kirk Cousins play this defense, Kirk Cousins seems to have some some demons in this, it, it, some demons going up against this defense. So I, while they are the best team in the division for me, I think I like how the Bears match up against them. I think I said it last week. Had Vikings haven't beat the Bears since December of 2017, so yeah, it's four the, straight the Bears. Are the Bears. Four, no. And I think two of those were in not necessarily um, like throwaway situations, but I think they're two of those wins are Week 17 games that they didn't necessarily matter all that much, but still 4-0 yeah. is 4-0 in the NFL. Also, I, I look at this schedule, and I'm looking at the Saints game as the one that I say that's going to be really tough to win because the Saints are a very good football team, but even that, that's at home. 
I don't see many like huge. I, the, the Bears can't win that football game. Like yeah. last year, they had that first place schedule, and there were some weeks that they're really tough. I mean, they, I know they go to LA, but I don't think LA's is what they kind of have been in the past. And also, LA. I mean, the, the Bears almost went there and won on Sunday Night Football last year with how bad that offense was. I don't. I, I don't. I'm not too scared by Green Bay. Detroit's not going to be very good. They're playing a third place schedule. I, I can find ten. I can find ten wins on this schedule. My stomach just churns looning at the Packers on January third, likely with a wild card berth on the line. It yeah, that's not. Let's that. not talk about it. Just that. churns. Let's not talk about it. Um, but uh, going to hopefully see a better Bears team than we did a year ago live up to uh, expectation that has come back down to earth from two years ago. So mm-hmm. um, just looking forward to Bears football one week at a time and starting things off with a W against the Lions this Sunday at uh, noon central time. Let's jump into some predictions here. Um, let's go division by division uh, and then we'll get a Super Bowl matchup and uh Send people on the way because it is football season, and there is um, there is plenty of uh, things to talk about. There are plenty of uh, decisions to be made here uh, by coaches, by front offices, and like I said, we don't know who these teams are. There's going to be the high expectation team that flops. There's going to be the um, you know bottom feeder team from a year ago that makes the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So uh, it, it's all going to synthesize over the next few weeks here, but. Uh, Let's break it down. Let's uh, let's apply some uh, some confidence to who we think is going to win these divisions, Matt. Where do you want to start? Um, you want to go AFC first? Or no, oh, yeah, let's go I, NFC. Okay, let's go NFC because we first. just knocked out. I knocked out the North. I said I think the Vikings. Yeah, we, we both picked the, the Vikings to win the North, I believe. All right, so let's go NFC East. Who do you have winning the division? I got the Cowboys. Um, I, I, the, it's, it's a two-team race. The Giants are rebuilding. I know they like where they're kind of headed, but they're still rebuilding. Washington, same way. Um, it's between Dallas and Philly, and I, Philly hasn't really done a very good job surrounding Carson Wentz with with much. Carson Wentz is he's he's kind of an injury liability. Dak's on a contract year. I, I love that offense. I think the defense is going to be just fine. I'm not nothing that's going to blow you away, but I think they'll be fine. I think that's Dallas's division to lose. Uh, I picked the Cowboys as well. I'm very high on the Cowboys with Dak Prescott still in that contract situation. Um, a lot of money coming in on Dak for MVP tickets. Just kind of a prove it wrong. Mm-hmm. Now you got to pay me. Now you got to pay me Mahomes money uh, type thing here with Dak. Uh, I agree with what you're saying about the offense. I wouldn't be surprised if they average 31, 34 points per game this season. Yeah. But I also wouldn't be surprised if that defense gives up 25 points per game this season. I think they're going to be in a lot of high scoring affairs. But I think they are the best team in that division by far. Um, hopefully getting back to what they do best, hand that ball to Zeke, find Amari Cooper in the past game, uh, and, and, and be the Dallas Cowboys, which is something we haven't seen in our lifetimes, mm-hmm. uh, at least a Super Bowl contender in the Dallas Cowboys, but I think yeah. they could be that this year. Uh, all right, moving on here to the NFC West. We already hit the North. Both of us are, are thinking Vikings, uh, some realistic, uh, just, just a little bit of reality thrust upon our, our Bears fans. Mm-hmm. I think that you know, the Vikings just on paper, and they don't play these things on paper, but on paper are a really, really good football team. Uh, but in the NFC West, I think that could be one of the most exciting races as it was a year ago. I mean, it came down to the last inch of the last game between the Seahawks and the 49ers. Um, that big stop at the goal line ended up giving the 49ers the one seed and the bye, and it likely would have changed the course of mm-hmm. the NFL, of the playoffs if, if that touchdown is scored. So I think that this is, again, going to be really interesting. I think the Cardinals take a step forward. But for me, 
This is the Seahawks division. They had a couple near misses against the 49ers last year, and I think that's stuck in the side of Pete Carroll. I think that's stuck in the side of Russell Wilson, and I think they come back uh, rejuvenated and renewed and continue to be one of the toughest outs and one of the most consistent football teams in the NFC. Uh, I, I hate that we're going with the same pick again. I thought for sure you were going to take the Niners. I'm also on the Seahawks just because I, I think those two are going to battle it out. Like you said, I think the Rams and the Cardinals are both going to be good teams. I think this is the best division in football just because I, I think you look at one through four, there's not an easy game uh, when you're matching up with any of those teams. That said, I like the consistency of the Seahawks. I think when it comes down to it, the Seahawks have the better quarterback. Uh, I think they have arguably the best quarterback in football after Patrick Mahomes. Um, they, they added Jamal Adams. Their offense is, would, no matter what you say about what they've done surrounding playmakers, I mean, DK Metcalf has is, is kind of proved to be a, a pretty – him and uh, what's who's the other um, receiver? The Kansas State block, Tyler Lockett. They have, they have pretty Lockett, good receivers yeah. surrounding Russell Wilson. Now, they added Greg Olson, who I know he's not the Greg Olson of what he used to be, but I still think he can give you something. Um, For like just, four weeks until he breaks his foot. Yeah, but, on. you know, those four weeks might be important, Joe. Four weeks every week counts in the NFL. <laughs> Hold them out um, until like week 10. I think it'll be a back and forth between those two all year. And I just, not that San Francisco's due for a letdown because I don't think an 11 and 5 season is really a letdown. But I mean, they're mm-hmm. 13 and 3 last year. I don't think they're going 13, 3, 13 and 3 again. I think they're a playoff team. I think they'll be right back there. I just, I think it's Seattle's division to lose this year. I think yeah, they take it. I, I totally agree with you regarding the 49ers, too. I'm still very high on that. I think they're still. two very good football teams, both capable of winning a Super Bowl. I just, I think Seattle's playing with a little bit more edge, a little bit more chip on their shoulder this year. I 100% agree with you. And I also think that the law of averages is going to come to play here and what we saw between these two teams a year ago mm-hmm. how closely they played those games I think they're going to play those games just as close this season but maybe it falls the other way here uh, to the Seahawks that was kind of my deciding factor here the 49ers still you know a top three defense in mm-hmm. the NFL if they produce the way they're going to produce and uh, that offense it, it has question marks namely Jimmy Garoppolo but um, I'm more worried about uh, Debo Samuel not being ready to go until week three or whatever it's going to be um, because he proved to be their biggest weapon in the past yeah. game last year about halfway through the season. So Talked about X-Factors, he was there. Some question marks uh, surrounding San Francisco, and that has me leaning towards the Seahawks. All right, NFC South, going to be another nice race. Obviously, the storylines make themselves. Some old quarterbacks uh, that still have it going, Tom Brady and the Bucks get a lot of love for Super Bowl picks here. I think they've bet, uh, been bet all the way down to 12 to 1. That's uh, that's the, not right. The third favorite on the board right now. And, uh, you know, that is not right. But I'll let you make your pick here first. Um, I know a while ago I was really high on the Bucks, And I, I'm still high on the Bucks. I think they're, they're absolutely due to be better than 7 and 9. I think they'll be a pretty good football team. Um, but you can't go against the Saints, largely for what you've been saying all offseason is the teams with the established head coaches, the established presences are going to have almost a head start this year because they don't, they're the ones built to deal with the, the interesting offseason, to call it the, 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 the unique training camp we have. So I like the New Orleans Saints. I think they're, I mean, they, they brought back pretty much everybody from last year. They're still a really good football team. I, I think Drew Brees is, kind of getting worse with age. I mean, obviously he's getting worse with age. I, I'm I'm not as high on Drew Brees, obviously, as we have been in last year's. I thought last year was the first year he started to like, look old. Um, if that happens again this year, I think the division's a little bit more open, but I still just think that consistent presence of what they got going on there, I think that's an 11-win football team or so. So I'm going to have them win the South. 
there's too many weapons, and I agree with yeah. you. I, I, I know this doesn't make for great podcasting. I think the Saints win the South as well, but I think it's because of Alvin Kamara, and I think that Alvin Kamara he felt disrespected a little bit in the offseason with his value in the market, and I think that he also was disappointed in himself in the way that he produced or was unable to produce due to injury last year, and I think that this offense gets back to him in a big way in 2020. You also have what I consider to be the best receiver in the game right now and Michael Mike Thomas. Thomas. Say what you want about Drew Brees and you know the regression, the regression in arm talent, but offensively, there are few better minds in the game still That's very true. than Drew Brees. So he is always going to play to his strengths. And if he can stay healthy and stay out there, I, I still think it's one of the most dangerous offenses in the NFL. Give me the Saints. All right. AFC uh, time? Moving on to the AFC. Should we here. just start with the West? Because I think we're going to have the same pick there. And what's Chiefs. What, yeah, it's the Chiefs. Um, it's the I think, Chiefs the, I think, the, I think the all three teams are going to be a little bit better than they were last year. But it's yeah. the Chiefs today. And I'm like, I'm like – a couple touchdown passes away from buying a Drew Locke jersey. I just am. He, I, I like love, Drew Locke, yeah. I love the personality. I love him rapping the young Jeezy on the bench. I love the swagger. Um, you know, he's a, the Mizzou kind of background, the lore of Mizzou quarterbacks, uh, not living up to their potential perhaps or kind of being career backups. Hey, Chase Daniels time. made a whole lot of money. He has, but I think that Drew Locke can kind of break that mold and be an actual – 10-year starter in the NFL, and I know you know that's recency bias to the small sample size that we saw at the end of last season, but it looked really good. Now, I do worry about Von Miller uh, likely that, being that one hurts. season yeah. here. That hurts big time on the defensive side of things, and you know Von is at a crossroads of his career now because he's due $17.5 million next season, but that's on a team option, so whether or not they want to pick up a guy after a a severe lower leg injury, that's another question mark here. So have we seen Von Miller play his last down of football for Denver or his last down of football in totality? Because he's a man of many talents who can make money in a million different ways beyond the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think he's done, um, and I haven't seen what the latest is on that injury. But uh, that's a big knock, and I think that furthers the gap between the Chiefs and their competitors. It's the Chiefs for me. I think the Chargers actually have a chance to come up and be like the second-best team in that division too because I like – I might want to be the only few people that like him. I like Terod Taylor. I don't think he's by any means a great quarterback, but I think he's a solid quarterback that isn't going to lose you many football games. And as much as uh, Phillip Rivers might be fun to watch some of those interceptions that he threw over the years, he was a quarterback that could win you losing, win you football games, but also lose you football games. I think Anthony Lynn's a really good head coach. I think that's a solid team that just kind of didn't have the bounces go their way a lot of last year. I think they're going to be better. You talked about Drew Locke. I, I think he's in the perfect kind of scenario to succeed in as a young quarterback. He's got a solid running game. Their offensive line isn't great, but it's not it's not brutal either. But they can run the ball. They play good defense, and they've surrounded him with some pretty good weapons. Uh, Cortland Sutton, I know they drafted Jerry Judy. They got some tight ends. And Noah Fant, I forget who their other tight end is. But they've put him in a good spot to succeed, so I like where he's at too. But it's, it's easily the Chiefs division. They're going to run away with it. Be clinched yeah, by week you know, 11. Let's keep this thing rolling. Uh, let's do the AFC Easter because I think this might be the most interesting conversation or maybe a conversation that has no answer or won't until week 16, week 17. Uh, AFC East, not wide open, but the door is open for the first time and the mm-hmm. betting public seems to think that door is going to be kicked in by the Buffalo Bills. 83% of the future tickets, uh, winner of the AFC East at William Hill, have come in on the Buffalo Bills. Uh, and for that reason, 
I am fading the public and saying, I will believe it when I see it. Patriots win the AFC East for the, I believe, 15th or 16th mm-hmm. straight season. I, I'm going to go with the public here. I haven't made the bet, and I'm not going to make the bet because it is such a coin flip right now. I just, if the Patriots had all of their starters and everybody was, was all back this year, that'd be fine. But that defense loss, it's not even the Brady loss. It's, it's the fact that the defense has, you know, that was like three or four guys do, who opted out of the year. Um, I forget which offensive lineman opted out, but one of their, their uh, one of their starters on the offensive line opted out. It's not that I don't have faith in Bill Belichick or the Patriots. I just they've lost so many to these opt outs that I'm. A, I think next year they might might be kind of their year to bounce back and win that division. I, just, I think Buffalo has been knocking on the door. I think this is kind of their their chance to do it if they're going to. Um, and again, it's it's not it's nothing against Bill Belichick or the Patriots. Obviously, we've talked about how many how many times over the years we've been doing this podcast, how much we love, respect the Patriots, all that. Um, but I just, I think the losses from the opt-outs are going to be a little bit too much to overcome. That said, if the Patriots go 11 and five or 12 and four, whatever, and win the division, I wouldn't be like, I'm not going to sit here and be floored. Yeah. I'm going to be, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I'm going to be the last one off the Patriots bandwagon. I don't care who's there. If Bill Mm -hmm. Belichick, is making the decision. He's going to coach his team into the best spots possible. Whether or not they can execute, we will see. But I also think that the Buffalo Bills are far overvalued. Uh, It it is the best roster that they've had assembled Mm -hmm. in Buffalo in probably our lifetimes. But it all boils down to quarterback play, and I am not yet sold on Josh Allen. I need to see more more accuracy. I think Josh Allen is Mitch Trubisky in Wolf's clothing. I think he's I think he's a little bit better, but I think there's a lot of the same tendencies there uh, in Mitch Trubisky, not getting to a second, third read, uh, being apt to tuck it or step up into pressure rather than into an open pocket. I think he does a lot of the same things, but the arm talent is a little bit greater, and that's what has people a little bit disillusioned on Josh Allen. I, I just need to see it before, I, before I'm jumping on the Bills bandwagon. I cannot, uh, I cannot fault you for that either. Uh, all right, moving on here with the AFC North. Uh, Going to be uh, another race here, I think, between the top two teams. And whether you think the Ravens are going to do it again or not, uh, that's up to you, Matt. Who you got in the North? I'm going to go with the Steelers. Um, I think it's going to be a pretty close race. I, I, it's a lot of me having faith in Ben Roethlisberger coming back and you know looking a little bit more. Obviously, he's never going to be you know the vintage Ben Roethlisberger. But mm-hmm. being a more consistent presence at quarterback for them, I think last year going 8-8 eight and eight with the quarterback situation they had shows you how much talent they have there. I really like the addition of Chase Claypool to that offense. I, um, that defense has kind of gone from being, obviously they were really good, and then there were a couple of years where they were terrible, and then last year they kind of picked it back up. I think they were the top fantasy defense, at least in the NFL last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I... I like them a lot. I think the Ravens are going to be very good. I also just I think they're due for a little bit of a setback just because you see year two a lot of times of new offenses, new trends. Defensive coordinators start to figure out a little bit. I just, I'm not sure you're going to see the dominance from the Ravens as, as good as they are. I don't think you're going to see the 14-2 dominance. I think the Steelers should do for a little bit of a, of a jump up. I think that the Ravens are a little bit, due for a little bit of a step back. So I'm going to go Pit, uh, Pittsburgh in a very close race down to the wire. I struggled with this one uh, between Baltimore and Pittsburgh because I think both of them are playoff teams. I think that that Roethlisberger bump cannot be overstated. Um, and I also do think that that there's tape on Lamar Jackson and this Ravens offense. Not that there wasn't through last season. They executed through that. But year two, 
um, of of seeing what they can do. And I know it's year three for him, but year two of the full expression of this offense, um, I, I think that defenses are going to have their keys. I think they're going to play this Ravens team a little bit tougher. I think the Titans gave no, you a little bit of a blueprint, honestly, in the playoffs. They, they absolutely did, and I think that also showed you where this Ravens team is in a big moment because mm-hmm. they're going to have those big moments in the regular season now likely against, you know, the divisional foe in the Pittsburgh Steelers. I wanted to make this decision. I, I thought that I, I was a genius. I Googled strength of schedule in the NFL. Well, you've always thought you were a genius. And, and then I, I was going to let that make this decision for me. And with the 32nd uh, hardest schedule, so the easiest schedule in the NFL, the Baltimore Ravens. The 31st, the second easiest schedule, the Pittsburgh Steelers. So they're playing the two easiest schedules in respect to last year's records this season. So I don't think, again, again, I don't think – there's a lot to separate these two teams, but at the end of the day, I, I'll just go, I'll always if I don't have an answer here, I'll always defer to what didn't happen last year because that's the NFL. Yeah, things fair change. Enough. It's cyclical. Not a lot of times do teams go back to back. I'm going with the Pittsburgh Steelers as well. There you go. Uh, we have what remaining? The AFC, AFC South. South. AFC South. Uh, we saved the most confusing for last, perhaps. Yeah, but, it's, it's uh, I, one of the few. Divisions we've said we'll say can probably be a three-team race. Yeah, and I, you know, I, I, I just you can make the case like you're saying here for the Saints, for the Bucks, for the Falcons, not necessarily for Carolina. I think Carolina's going to be one of the worst teams in the NFL, but I think Atlanta is going to sneak up on some teams here. I think that their offense is going to be very productive. Atlanta. Um, or excuse me, I'm looking at the NFC South. I'm there losing go, my buddy. mind here. Come on, um, AFC South. AFC South pre-show is one that I told you I have no interest in even talking about because Mm -hmm. the Texans, the Colts, the Jaguars, the Titans, I think they're all middling football teams. I think Houston got a lot worse in their subtractions, especially with DeAndre Hopkins. Um, I think, again, Tennessee was a little bit of a flash in the pan, and I don't know necessarily what they're going to bring to the table this year. The Jags are going to be terrible. It leaves the Colts standing there, but I don't know how much I believe in Phillip Rivers in year 15 or whatever mm-hmm. it is. I, I'm sticking with Deshaun Watson. I think that he's going to find a way uh, to get this thing done for his team, regardless of the omission of his top target. I'm going with the Texans. I'm going with the Colts just because of the omission of that top target. I don't really know. I, I don't understand that move. I, I think you look at the, the receiver depth there. Is it, it takes such a big hit because as good as Will Fuller is, Will Fuller is only good for about half the season. He's going to miss mm-hmm. the other half with with you know, nagging hamstring injuries or whatever it is. Uh, Kenny Stills has had his injury problems. Uh, who's the, David Johnson, as good of a running back as he is, has not been able to really stay healthy since that rookie year. Um, and I, I know the Colts, I know we talked about Philip Rivers. I even said, like, you know, there were a couple games a year that he was good for losing the Chargers. But I, I think he, think with that offensive line, with that defense, and with that running game, with the addition of Jonathan Taylor, I don't think he's going to be asked to do all that much. Um, I like, the Colts in a very tight race. Like you said, it's a middling division. I think Tennessee is going to take a step back because I think at the end of the day, teams are going to realize that if they just load the box and make Ryan Tannehill beat them, he's not going to beat them all that often. Um, so I'm going to go Colts in a, a tight three horse race and both whoever wins the division probably loses in the first or second round of the playoffs. Yeah. I, I just think it's one of those uh, last man standing type situations where no one's really going to take this thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to be who ends Kinda up win by it. default. Yeah. And I think that um, in years past, Deshaun Watson and the Houston Texans have shown the ability to win despite um 
win despite the position that their coach and decision makers put yeah, them in. Yeah, that's fair. And, you know, that, that's very much the antithesis of usually how we go about things and sort of my take here. At the end of the day, the Houston has the best be quarterback. Again. So it's not a bad pick to think they're going to win because they do have the best quarterback. That's a, a concise way of putting it, and, mm-hmm. and I completely agree with you there. Um, Matt, before we get to our locks of the week here, let's talk Super Bowl. Why not? Um, I don't think any of us had the matchup last season, did we? I don't think, uh, I don't think I either don't of think us got so. it. I don't think anybody think was picking the 49ers to do anything, but yes, we think we had the no. no, I think I probably still had the Patriots. Uh, Matt, I, let's talk Super Bowl here because I am putting the Chiefs back in the Super Bowl. I yeah. just think their their roster, their talent, everything about them. You're not going to get an argument from me from there. No, and I think on the other side of this, I am going chips to the middle of the table with Dak Prescott and saying the Dallas Cowboys – Make it to the Super Bowl for the first time in 15 years. You're looking at a Chiefs-Cowboys Super Bowl. I also have the Chiefs out of the AFC. I just, I, I don't, they're the best team in that division. They're bringing Period. just about everybody Period. back. They might no be upgraded at running back uh, with, with Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. We'll have to wait and see on that. Um, out of the NFC, I, I was thinking Cowboys. That was a team that crossed my mind. The Saints did too, but I'm going to go with Seattle. Um, I think Good. they are probably the most balanced football team uh, of all of those three. Uh, I, I know I liked it. We liked Dallas's offense a lot, but like you said, like we said, that defense can be suspect at times. And at the end of the day, when I'm in between, you know, those those decisions, Seattle has the best quarterback of those three. They have a guy that's you know won the Super Bowl. Obviously, Drew Brees has too, but they have a guy who's playing it in his prime at his peak. I like Seattle. I like Russell Wilson. I think they're going to come out of the, the NFC and it'll be a Seahawks Chiefs Super Bowl. Yeah, the the case for the Seahawks is not hard to be made, and I think that that's a good pick as well. But both of us are on the Chiefs, which means they'll probably have a disappointing season. Yeah, or they'll just lose in the first round, somehow get upset. Yeah. And with that being said, let's get to our weekly fades here, Matt. Now, don't let the kids get hot, because coming down the stretch last year, the kids got hot. You saw what happened. We dug, we dug ourselves a little hole. But the kids got hot, so maybe do what you want with these first picks. I do have some uh, some intel, some insights from some of the best gambling minds in Let the, the world. Let the people know about them, um, yeah. Our guys, Kenny White and Todd Furman, are two betting experts on, uh, on CBS Sports HQ. And over the last few weeks, uh, they've just talked about kind of trends coming into the NFL season because you can bet these matchups and get yourself into a lot of trouble because we don't necessarily know who these teams are, especially in the age of COVID-19 with the empty stadiums. So I think it's smart to key on totals here in the early going, specifically keying on unders because the public – constantly bets favorites and overs and the public constantly loses so you Mm -hmm. want to fade public perception and find some unders you like here early in the season and i found one i really like in week one i got vegas carolina going under 47 and a half in my eyes it's two of the worst teams in the nfl and no disrespect to vegas wouldn't surprise me if they're a 500 football team but you just don't know what you're going to get out of them and i think that's going to be par for the course uh, until something changes at the quarterback position there. And I know Marcus Mariota is laying in wait, but I think that's Marcus Mariota. I think that's, that's really just Derek Carr in, in, in a different uniform uh, in Marcus Mariota. So I think that the, uh, that just the, you know, all the uncertainty surrounding the season, but these two teams leads me to go under 47 and a half on Vegas, Carolina. I love your unders theory. The, the one there who you think Todd Furman, whoever else, the other analyst, Kenny said, White, Kenny White. Odds. 
Uh, that's a, that's a hell of a name. I should have thought of that. Um, I, I do like that theory, and I think I'm going to take that into week one with me. I did look at some unders that I did like, and I, I, none of them really jumped out at me as a total lock. The one thing that did, I know I stay away from them, but it's week one. I'm going to be a little bit of a meatball. I'm taking the Bears plus three at Detroit. I just don't see it. I don't we understand like how the Bears picks, baby. I don't understand how the Bears are underdogs in this game, I, and it's it's not this. This isn't even me being a meatball. This is having watched the Bears and the Lions each of the last you know two three years, whatever it's been. The Bear Mitch, Mitch, say what you want about him. The one team he's been able to pretty much dominate his entire career is the Lions. He, he's got a, uh, I think he's got his highest QBR by far uh, against any other team he does against the Lions. He plays pretty well against them. He thrives against man defense. That's what the Lions play, and they don't really seem to like to adjust to him. I don't think the Lions did all that much to get too much better. I know Matthew Stafford's healthy, but okay. Um, I think the Bears are the better football team. I know they're on the road. I think three points against the bottom feeder in the NFC North, I'll take it every day of the week, and probably twice on Sunday. I'll probably take it two different times on Sunday. And two different ways, because give me Bears on the money line on Sunday oh, yeah, as I, well. I, I already have my Bears money line bet in, but I, if in a, in a, for a lock purpose, I'll take the points. All right, Matt Rooney giving you the Bears getting three points against the Lions. For me, it is under 47 and a half. Book that now between the Las Vegas Raiders in so the main voyage. Say against the uh, bottom-feeding Carolina Panthers. So uh, that's what we have to look forward to this week, and we have an entire season of NFL football, God willing, to look forward to. Uh, Matt Rooney, here we made it again, and we do this we every year. We, we kind of give each other we give each other a virtual hug here, congratulate us uh, ourselves here on making our way through an offseason. But once again, it is here. NFL football coming your way on Thursday night. This the next game, off. Our, next, our next show, we have a Bears game recap. We have we will have Doesn't a that feel good? recap. Doesn't that feel of a good? Forty-five point win over the Detroit Lions. And uh, forty-five to three. They probably allow a field goal in garbage. Coming next week on CBS Sports or on CBS Sports HQ. I'm losing my mind. Uh, coming next. If you want to get our podcast on the CBS Sports HQ uh, podcast network, that'd be great. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll look into it now. <laughs> we will. But uh, for now, uh, for Matt Rooney, I'm Joe Musso. Thank you, as always, for listening to the Moose and Moose podcast. This episode 170, the NFL preview pod. Uh, we'll be breaking it all down on the back end. We'll have uh, instant reaction and knee-jerk analysis coming your way next week. But for now, for Matt, I'm Joe. Enjoy the football. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile, for every care a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the state was phenomenal. <laughs>